Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided, episode number 10, The Gender Divide. We are live here at 7 p.m. on the East. It is Wednesday, November the 15th in the year 2017, and tonight we will be talking about the gender divide with our special guest, Tammy Banfield. When I think about this issue, and it's so prevalent today in the news, the allegations from Hollywood to uh, corporations to uh, political candidates Uh, all the allegations that have been in the news and at the forefront now of our national conversation. It's a very relevant topic, a topic as we look here on Undivided at all of the different barriers that society has put up to keep us divided from each other and how we can break those dividers, those constructs that society has put in place How can we break those down? We talk about the glass ceiling. We're going to be talking a lot about that tonight, about how women feel undervalued at a 50% clip, a 50% margin of women feel undervalued while at their job, someplace that they go every day. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the fact that a 13% of women feel denied a raise due to their gender. They felt that they were on the same par as a male candidate, yet they didn't get it. They didn't get that that raise or that promotion. We're going to talk about some of the societal mores, if you will, around gender, the role that Hollywood has played in perpetuating some of those mores. You know, when I think about, I'm going to get Tammy up here in in a second, When I think about my own life and the role that women have played within it, of course, a lot of people think about their mom or their grandmother or an aunt, someone that raised them. For me, it was my mother, and I've talked about my mom in previous episodes. And I had my sister on, if if you all recall, a couple episodes ago. I have two sisters, and my mom was mother of three and was such a source of strength. For us all, she was a nurse, a cook, a caregiver, a disciplinarian, a teacher, a listener, and someone that taught me about spirituality and faith. Sometimes she was all those roles within two minutes of each other, which was remarkable to me. She could be, you know, both nurse and caregiver to one and a disciplinarian to another, uh, my sister or myself, a teacher to us all and a source of strength for us. And I know that she encountered some of that in in her professional career. And she encountered some of 
what other women have come across. And we're going to talk about the Me Too campaign on social media. And some of the people that I know, I was shocked to know, had encountered that. So our special guest tonight to do a dive into this very powerful topic of the gender gap is Tammy Banfield. And Tammy is the founder of Kick Glass. That's Kick Glass Career Coaching. She's a professional resume writer and a certified coach who specializes in helping women advance in their careers. Tammy has helped over 600 career seekers from around the world secure their ideal job, jobs where they are valued, fulfilled, and well-paid. Tammy is also the newest member of our Life Coach Radio Network team. We're going to talk about her show, which airs usually on Wednesday nights, and we're going to get to all that with her and what she's doing right now. Tammy, you're on the air. Can you hear me? Hello? Oh, can you hear me? I can, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for having me and for that very warm introduction. Of course. Welcome to Undivided. Thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. Awesome. So we'll start from the beginning. You know, we look at roles, as I'm talking about, within gender, uh, within the societal and cultural approach to them. What was the starting point of all this? Yes, well, I think for for most people, like personally, the start of it is just the culture or the environment in which we're raised and how gender roles are defined for us. You know, what our exposure um, is to what's encouraged as, you know, quote unquote, normal behavior uh, that tends to stick with us through most of our lives, uh, especially when it's reinforced everywhere we go, like at home or at school or in the media. You know, very often the behaviors that are praised or encouraged or valued in boys are very different than the behaviors that are praised or encouraged or valued in girls. You know, for example, assertiveness in boys is often seen as a good thing, but in girls, that same behavior could be called as bossy or just perceived negatively. Um, and these, these gender norms get cemented into us, and it can be very difficult to break free of them for both men and women. Um, and I think I'd, I'd like to, if you don't mind, I'd like to add that, you know, for me personally, I feel pretty blessed about the childhood that I had in this regard. You know, I was raised in a home where both my mom and dad worked. They both shared equally in the cooking and cleaning around the house, and they both contributed equally as coaches on my competitive softball team. You know, they taught my sister and I to both be high achievers. And in my house, I was taught that receiving success or rewards was, was based solely on merit. Um, it was almost this utopian bubble that I lived in. And then when I got out into the real world and got one of my first jobs out of college, I learned that most workplaces don't operate solely on merit like that. And just because you outperformed other people didn't mean that that was enough. 
if you were a woman. And this this realization made me pretty darn angry. And uh, I think that plays a large part in why I'm so passionate about this, about this topic, about this issue. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that really helps. And I think will help our listeners understand uh, the driving point for you and in your own upbringing. And then in your own, as we all talk about our launching point into the world, and uh, beyond the classroom, beyond college or university. And we get into that, mm-hmm. we have this almost like a, you know, ivory tower kind of view or Pollyanna type of view, if you're familiar with that expression, of the world. And yes. then we get into our first job and say, whoa, this is a lot different than what I thought it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of those uh, things that you shared, it's true. It's It's this reinforcement constantly from – you know, whether it's the media, whether it's uh, the, the business environment, uh, it's, it seems like it's constantly reinforced in society. And, and certain people that I know have had a hard time getting around those, as we would call it, and coaching, you know, their blocks, essentially. And, mm-hmm. and how do you get around that? Because you could start, you could wrap your mind around that. So those workplace statistics that we're just talking about that, you know, some of it we shared we did our emails back and forth this week prior to coming on together. Those statistics I shared in the open, uh, I shared with some people that I know, and they were shocked by it too. You know, those, the factor that led women to, you know, 50% clip to feeling under, undervalued at work. What do you think drove that or drives that? Is it strictly the merit scenario? Like it's not merit-based? what are some of the consequences of that, of women feeling undervalued at work, both for, both from a, you know, a mental or emotional side and also from a business side? Right. Well, yeah, I, I think it's interesting too that you, that you were shocked by that. I, maybe I have a bias because I work with women every day. Um, but, you know, if you're in, you know, you spend most of your life at work. Um, you spend a, you know a, a lot of time there, and if you're if you're spending a lot of time there and you're devoting yourself to the company that you work for and the work that you do, and you're not being paid properly, um, you can't really feel valued there. If you're continuously passed over for promotions, you can't feel valued. If you're lowballed in a salary negotiation, you can't feel valued. And something that I hear a lot of is have is just when women speak up at work and they share their their ideas or their opinions or their strategies, you know, those ideas are often discounted or disregarded or stolen by other colleagues. And and that's not an environment where you're going to feel valued or respected either. So a large part of it is because um, there doesn't seem to be that meritocracy where people are rewarded for the talent or the performance that they're bringing or the value that they're bringing to an organization. They're feeling like the opportunities are, are limited to them based on something they can't change, right? Their gender. So that's not something that they can change. It feels like it's something out of their, outside of their control. And, it, and it's unfair and it feels unfair. Um, and as for the consequences, I think they're pretty wide reaching um, 
there's another stat actually that I, I'd like to share with you that I heard actually just a few days ago that said that um, women um, women now make up are forty percent of the family breadwinners now. So forty percent of family breadwinners are women. So if women were paid for the work that they were doing, if they were paid fairly, that would make a huge difference in the lives of families. Because women are often, you know, primary caregivers for their children, and they're also primary caregivers for elderly parents. So if women are making more money, all of their lives are better. And and then as far as like within the workplace, um, another consequence I, I see is women feeling undervalued or, or seeing that there's limited opportunity for them um, is that this limit seeing this limitation often makes women feel competitive with other women inside the workplace because they feel like, oh, there's only so many of us can rise because there's only so many, you know, limited opportunities for us to rise. So then they end up competing with each other and that actually brings down how women are perceived. It actually works against us when women start competing against each other for what they perceive to be as limited spots for advancement. That's very true. And thank you for sharing that um, perspective to kind of backtrack a little bit. I think I'm shocked by it. some of the people I know is because I kind of live in my own world. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of, you know, operate within this. I'm a, I'm a faithful person and, spiritual person, man of faith. And so I don't treat people that way. And so for me to kind of wrap my mind around the fact that, you know, that goes on is, and some of these other things that go on in the world is, is still so shocking to me and, and trying to wrap my head around that into only cause I've done it before in this show. I've kind of made uh, uh, suggestions or, or put out things when I've done different statistics I just want to clarify for people that may not know, because I've done this myself, when you're talking about a, a breadwinner, you're talking about like a primary income source. So if uh, yes. that's the person that's making the most money for a family, I just want to state that some people may not be aware of it. Uh, I've done it myself on this show, and people have kind of asked me about stuff later on, and so you should have clarified that. Uh, I just want to clarify that for people that may not know. Um, and And that's really a striking statistic, too, because... I think women are often viewed as a secondary income source. I, I've had people that I've worked with have said, oh, you know, my boss said to me, well, it doesn't really matter because, you know, you're getting a raise and it doesn't really matter what your wife makes because whatever she makes is whatever, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm, almost like mm-hmm. it's extra. And he's saying, no, not with the bills that I have, you know, like, and, and that's the other thing is that disconnect between what supervisors and, and other people may make, at a given company versus what people make that are, you know, in junior positions, uh, let's say, or entry-level positions, there's a big gap in that as well. So then, uh, that might not sound like a big deal. But as you're saying, like if women were paid more competitively, that would improve the lives of, of so many other people. So thank you for sharing that. That's I did not know that. That's really interesting. We're at 7.15 on the dot. Look at that. Here wow. on the East Coast in New Jersey, we're live. Look at that. 15 minutes in already. And we're live here on Undivided, episode number 10. 
the gender divide and upcoming show promo for Brenda Baird's show, November the 16th. That's tomorrow, believe it or not, at 7 p.m. Central, because I've gotten in trouble for this before, 7 p.m. Central on Life Coach Radio Network. Brenda is being joined by Henry Schoenfield, and they are starting a six-part series. It runs starting tomorrow through December the 28th, and you're going to love this topic, being at home for the holidays and how to deal with that. I really should listen to this. Being at home for the holidays, a six-part series with Brenda Baird and Henry Schoenfeld. They're going to guide you through all the stress that you may have about going home for the holidays, being with family members that, you know, you may be at odds with. They're going to try and give you some training on how to get through all the stress that unfortunately for some people the holidays may bring. And speaking of the holidays, reach out and give if you can to those who are in need, for those who are less fortunate. The Salvation Army is there, www.salvationarmyus.org. That's www.salvationarmyus.org. Please give from the heart this holiday season. And we're back here on Undivided Episode number 10, The Gender Divide, joined by Tammy Banfield, who was so gracious to come on with us here this evening. And so now we were talking about how workplace environments are so important because we spend so much time there. Some listeners are probably aware that there are harassment and code of conduct policies in effect at workplaces. But my question to you is how effective are these policies in your experience? Well, I guess in my opinion, I think these, you know, just like laws are only as good as your ability to enforce them. I think the harassment policies are only as good as the ability for people to use them safely, uh, which doesn't often seem to be the case. You know, if, if the victim is the one that's sort of bearing the impact of reporting harassment, then there is a serious problem with the policy that's in place. Um, you know, I've spoken to women who have reported harassment and then they were the one that was sent to counseling and not their harasser or women, you know, being transferred to another department or functionally demoted while their harasser keeps the job uh, and nothing changes for him. Um, and of course, many women are, are scared to come forward because they're, they're scared that they might lose their job or get fired or be persecuted in some other way at, at work. And if that's the case, then the policy really isn't any good. Um, and I think the other problem with the way that these policies are structured is that they're very reactive instead of proactive, instead of encouraging or fostering a more inclusive environment. It's just a policy in place in case something goes wrong and then women don't want to use it because they're scared of what might happen if they do. Uh, I see what you mean. So they're scared almost like of re reciprocity. If, yes. Um, yes. If they take that route uh, because yes. the word will get out or, yeah, yeah, that's, I can, I can understand. I've heard some of those instances as well. I've heard that, oh, you know, these, policies are in place, but they really don't have 
uh, teeth, if you will, uh, to kind of enforce that. Do you see that kind of as a follow-up? Do you see that changing? Uh, is, is Will the government potentially get involved? I know you're in Canada. I'm here. It's probably different. Mm-hmm. But would the government or the powers of be maybe get involved and kind of make that a situation where that changes, or is it done on an individual like corporate level? Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be nice if we could see some, some laws surrounding that. But I do think it's something that companies should be voluntarily taking, you know, taking on on their own. They should want to have an inclusive uh, environment where that's safe for all of its employees, right? If there is this risk of harassment or if people are fearful of their jobs, if they report that something awful happened to them, I mean, that's not going to be great for business, right? That's not a great place for people to be working. And if word gets out, then your talent pool is not going to be effective. So I think, you know, this is something that companies should really want to take on and and improve. Sure. I, I work with a company that they have a confidential phone line that you can call. And I thought that was a very uh, effective way of doing it, where if you had some kind of HR claim, you call this phone number to the corporate office and it's, you know, completely confidential and your case is treated like, hey, there was, you know, somebody complained of this, uh, his father complained about this behavior and, and everything is kept without, you know, the name of the person involved. Uh, there could be steps like that taken to, kind of ensure that conduct is uh, kind of held in check, if you will, uh, within the corporate environment. You know, then you have the smaller businesses that kind of run on their own. And, and that's where I think you really have to be concerned is is in that environment where things are not as structured and you don't have as much uh, corporate interface that there mm-hmm. could be, you know, several issues with conduct and, and harassment going on, which is sad. It really is. And in today's day and age, it's part of why I started this show is to talk about why people are so divided because that kind of behavior then creates a lot of emotions within people. As you were saying before, you know, women will resent each other within the same workplace, but that can happen with, you know, a female and, and a male uh, employee at a mm-hmm. business, you know, they, there could be a lot of emotion that ends up getting involved and, and that can become a really toxic environment uh, for a business. Um, what role do you think uh, NDAs play? And, and I'm going to take a sidestep for a minute and just, because as I said before, I, I've said things on this show, people don't know what I'm saying. Uh, non-disclosure agreements. So that's, uh, you know, essentially when, when, someone works at an organization at a high level, senior level executive, senior level job, uh, when they leave, they can't disclose what's gone on uh, in their prior job. So what role do you think that NDAs have played in almost perpetuating this cycle of harassment? Well, they do perpetuate the cycle um, because they protect the, they protect the harassers. Um, and this is a really interesting question um, to bring up because I, I was recently listening to an interview with 
Gretchen Carlson just a couple of weeks ago. And in case you, you may not remember, but Gretchen Carlson was the news anchor who launched a lawsuit against Roger Ailes at Fox last year. She was one of she was oh, the first yeah. woman to come forward. Yes. And when she first filed and she first went public, of course, she got torn apart in the in the media and called vile names and you know, the narrative that we're pretty used to hearing by now. Um, and it wasn't until other women came forward and corroborated her claims and and came up with claims of their own that people believed her and eventually that case settled in her favor. But now what she's doing is she's actually working on a bipartisan bill um, that would ban these sorts of agreements and would ban private arbitration for harassment and assault cases. Because, you know, as I said, these ultimately protect harassers. And, and so they can continue to do what they've always done. And if they even move to a different company, um, that company doesn't know that they're, you know, um, possibly hiring someone who's a threat to the to their workplace safety, um, and it doesn't protect empo- employees who could potentially be working under someone like that as well. So, Gretchen Carlson, she seems to be a woman on a mission these days. I'm really hoping that she's successful with this bill. That's really interesting because I didn't think of it. In, I was thinking of it just as a female that leaves and goes somewhere else. I was never really thinking of it in the case of you could have, a, a, a in this case, a male uh, harasser go to another company and they don't know that he's done that in the past because right. he's not talking about what's gone on. So it, it perpetuates both sides of, mm-hmm. of that and as far as protecting you know, the harasser as well. Uh, I, I think something like that does make a lot of sense. That's a, a good solution to a situation where, okay, the NDA is in place with the exception of these types of cases. You know, if yes. it's an assault yes. case, if it's a harassment case, then there should be some kind of window into that where that could be, you know, disclosed both for, you know, both sides of the situation, if you will. Uh, the right. harasser and, yes. and the employee that has potentially been been harassed. It's uh, it's an interesting. Uh, it's almost like an interesting side topic to this whole thing because it was something that when I was playing it out through my mind, thinking, well, what could you know perpetuate this in in the workplace? That was one thing that that I came about with, and I didn't really know what the answer to that was. So, you know, thank you for making me aware of that. Uh, and and I do hope that that does that something gets put in place legally, so that there's a legal remedy to that because that's that's really important. Uh, yes. Research has shown, as you had mentioned earlier, that women can change their communication patterns at work around men, and also the perception of those behaviors, as we talked about before, they could be perceived as bossy, um, or it could be the opposite. They could talk softer at work around men, try and and change their behavior to quote unquote fit, you know, the the stereotype, if you will. Uh, can mm-hmm. a change in these types of behaviors either help or further damage women in the workplace? I think I think it helps um, to be more conscious of how you of how you're communicating. Um, and I know with Many of the women that I've worked with, you know, they 
they have a hard time speaking confidently or clearly about the value that they bring. Um, and that's something that I work a lot with. Um, and I really think that this sort of mitigating, like mitigating our language or, um, you know, trying to make sure that we don't come across as brash or, or, or offensive in any way is like you said, it's like, it's a hangover from these gender norms and these gender behaviors that we, that we've picked up along the way. And it's, it's not just our tone of voice either, right? It's, it's our word choices. Um, so I even know like with myself, I, I'll catch myself saying things uh, that are pretty common, like starting a sentence with, oh, I could be wrong, but, or, um, you know, saying something like, uh, does that make sense to you? Or I'm sorry, right? Like we tend to say these things. So, but, but in, a, in effect, what we're doing is we're in, introducing doubt um, into the person who's listening to us. We're introducing that, that doubt or we're showing like we're not confident in what we're saying or what we're bringing to the table. And I think that can be harmful for women. I think that that doesn't help us advance or it doesn't help us change how we're perceived at work. Um, so it's certainly something that we all need to be more conscious of. And, and I know for sure it's something that I definitely try and, and watch and be conscious of as well. That's a really excellent point because yeah, those behaviors can be construed a certain way and that could essentially feed into this whole situation. Uh, Whereas the opposite is if you are more self-aware of that. And it's interesting that you brought up the fact about, you know, having trouble really enunciating essentially their value or, or putting a, a kind of a, a, I'm trying to find a word for it, trying to, to determine their own worth essentially. And I think that's something that, that men struggle with too. But in this case, it's a little different because of that, that gender gap that's already there with the glass ceiling, with the pay scale differences. Uh, you know, I've sat in meetings and interviewed for jobs where I've sat with like six different people and said, if I have to, to explain to somebody how I'm going to bring value to this company ever again, I'm going to scream, <laughs> you know? And I think, so I think that's a big part of it, both for men and women is to, to put themselves in that situation of just be more self-aware when they're at work and then more self-aware in the value that they actually bring to the organization or to the company itself. We're right on the nose, 730 here in the East. This is Undivided episode number 10, The Gender Divide. And we are live. This is a live show. Uh, UndividedShow at gmail.com is our email address. If you'd rather email us in a question for those listeners who have, I thank you very much. Audible.com is our sponsor of all of our programs here at the Life Coach Radio Network. And the number to call for tonight is 646-716-9397. Again, that number is 646-716-9397. Undivided show, that's S-H-O-W, at gmail.com if you want to interact with us that way. And show promotion for upcoming show, Making Inspired Choices. That's Tuesday, November the 21st, 
Coach Linda Stevens-Jones has a new episode coming your way at noon Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. That's Tuesday, November the 21st, Making Inspired Choices. Linda Stevens-Jones is your host. It's noon Eastern time here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And I also want to throw out to you a phone number to call if you are a victim of sexual assault or sexual harassment. The organization is RAIN. That's R-A-I-N-N. 1-800-656-4673. www.rain. That's R-A-I-N-N.org. And the phone number to call in Canada and internationally is 888-407-4747. And that's also for the DOD. We had... Uh, listener ask about the military. Tammy and I are not experts in the military. The DOD, there is a DOD line. That's 888-407-4747 if you've encountered harassment or sexual assault in the military. And we're back here on Undivided. I'm your host, Frank Chamaduri, along with me, Tammy Banfield, this evening. And so we've come to the point in the show where we call this segment Bridging the Divide. So we've talked about the division here with gender, the gap in both wages and treatment, sadly, at the workplace and at home and in society. Now, how do we bridge that divide? How do we take that divide and and bridge it between the treatment of men and women in the workplace? And then as the second part of the question, either in society or in our home life, I know it's a big question. Uh, how do we bridge that divide? Yeah, it is a big question, and I've been thinking about this. And you know, my my knee jerk initial response is just you know to remember that you know people are people. We're all people. We should all be treated as you know the as equal and as the human beings that we are at work. We all have dreams and desires and and needs, and usually we a lot of those we have in common. Um, and we should just be respectful of one another as humans. Um, but then again, as a woman, um, I'm, I'm a little too impatient, as are, are some other women, I'm sure, to just sort of sit back and wait for the, the world to catch up. Um, so I think, um, for me, for, it's about women and how they're positioning themselves in the workplace. Um, if they're looking to advance in their career and they're looking to uh, command a higher salary and they're they're looking basically for what they deserve based on their talents uh, and their skills and their strengths and the value that they offer. Um, For me, that's, that's a powerful part. If a woman can start to position herself more confidently um, in, in the workplace, then she can start to see some, some changes personally. How about in, in, in their own home? So you're saying that would translate into their home life or into other roles they may have in society, let's say on like the PTA or you know, some kind of volunteer type of work? Yeah, I think absolutely that can translate. You know, we women tend to sometimes um, almost apologize for their existence in places. Um, so... It, like at work, they can tend to sort of 
apologize for, for being there when they, when they don't take ownership of what they're strong at, what they're best at, um, and really sort of own that they have just as right to, you know, just as much a right to be there as anyone else. And it, that can, of course, that can sort of bleed over into other areas of their life. Um, so it's just introducing that confidence and finding that, that value that you have um, that may have, that may feel like it's been beaten out of you a little bit uh, can be a very powerful thing. It can. I was saying to a, a colleague of mine, you know, this is a really important topic for me personally, uh, you know, with a wife and two sisters and my aunts and other women in my life that I know that have encountered some of this. Uh, friends of mine as well, but at the end, like, it's a great topic. It's a great discussion to have, but at the end of the show, I'm going to feel really bad for being a guy. <laughs> no. Uh, oh man. It's, just, it's a little awkward. <laughs> oh, having, having to talk about you know, some of the stuff that goes on is just crazy. But uh, what do you think is the most effective way to make that change as we're talking about, now we've identified a bridge, you know, women being more confident. Uh, I think in some ways men need to be almost retrained in, in how to treat women. And I don't know the best way to go about that. Uh, but what is the most effective yeah. way to make that change? Um, so for, for women to become more confident, I would like, I would just like to see women take, more ownership, I, and I know I'm repeating myself a little bit here, more ownership <laughs> over what they have to, over what they have to offer um, and not be so shy about it. Um, we can definitely, like as women, we can definitely be better self-marketers of our own abilities and value. And I know, I know this can be really difficult because this is one of the things that I see over and over again um, when when I'm doing career coaching with women is that women tend to be much more uncomfortable with, with promoting their accomplishments or talking about themselves and what they've done um, and talking about their successes. I find for a lot of men that I've worked with in the past, that comes much more naturally to them. They don't have, they don't feel all apologetic that they've done what they've done in their oh, career. Yeah. But women, but women tend to sort of shy away from that. They don't want to be boastful or braggy. Um, but you kind of have to be in business. You know, if you're not going to sell yourself, not, you know, no one else is going to do that for you. And the way that the workplace is, they, companies need to see the value that, they, that you're going to bring them. They need to see, you know, what's my return on investment? If I give you that raise, if I give you this promotion... How is that going to come back to me? Um, so that's that's a lot of what I what I do in in my coaching is helping women uncover those values and those strengths, uncovering those accomplishments, uncovering those you know career wins. Um, that is is money when they're applying for jobs, they're looking for for promotions, you know. And I take that same approach to to the resume writing as well. And my my goal is always. To write a resume that is, you know, so compelling and so chock full of value um, that calling that person for an interview is like a complete no-brainer. They just seem like 
too good to pass up. Um, and that, that happens when we focus on those accomplishments and we focus on those strengths. Um, and I work with talented women every day. They have them. They just don't feel confident enough to talk about them. And, and I think it could be, and that's a, those are all really excellent points. It could also be uh, men are into sports and statistics and we're into numbers. And when you talk about like sales environments that I've worked in, we're checking numbers all the time. We're looking at our performance. We're looking at our statistics, almost like a batting average, uh, if you get the baseball reference. And we're thinking about, oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I I increased, right? I'm hitting, you know, 600 this month, you know. I've closed this guy and in, in, on a, a $5,000 sale or whatever it was. I've taken my accounts that have lapsed for six months and grown them 300% in the last year. Like we're all, we have a, these statistics at the top of our head. And we love talking about right. And we love talking yeah. to the guys about, oh, well, I'll do the my job. You know what I mean? So it is, it's kind of, you know, the difference between the two genders is it, generally speaking, not, not the stereotype, but it's true. You know, we like to talk about that stuff. And I've worked with a lot of women on sales teams that I didn't really know what they were doing sales wise. Cause I never really talked right. about it, you know, right. Uh, it was a different kind of a point. It was more about, Oh, well, I'm building a relationship. Like I remember I worked with a colleague once who we had some accounts that were separate and some that were shared. And she's like, Oh, well, I know this person, I'm bringing this because so-and-so is having a, a baby and, and so-and-so's mom's in the hospital. So I brought this for her to bring They're like a blanket to bring them. I'm like, how do you know all this about these people? You know, I would go in, it was very right. transactional, you know, and she knew about all these people and had, and that relationship and seeing that was really cool because she was successful at what she did, but without really bragging about it. So right. it's just a, aside from my own personal experience, it kind of backs that up. Um, how can coaching help? I mean, this is Life Coach Radio Network, so I always like to tie it back to that. How can coaching help facilitate that kind of change? Right. So, you know, with what I do personally, um, you know, even if I'm working with a woman who, you know, comes to me and, and she just wants a resume, even if that's all that she's coming to me for, We do, I do a lot of work. I get on the phone. We do basically like a one hour coaching session and really dig in. And I, I ask the sort of questions that they may not have thought about in their career, like moments where they feel, you know, moments in their career where they felt most proud of the work they did or something that they think they do might do better than someone else or you know how they handle challenges or problems at work like what do they do next how do they get things turned around and just asking a lot of these questions will spark a lot of things with my clients and they'll say oh i didn't think about that i didn't i thought i was just doing my job i didn't think that was something people would want to know i thought i was just doing my job um and then you know of course like it's it's always my favorite moment when, when someone looks at like their, their new career marketing plan for me and they, they just can't even believe that that's themselves. They, they're like, is that really me? Did I really do all this? And I'm like, yes, you told me. This is what you did. We're just packaging, packaging it in a way that makes sense to, to make sense to other people. 
that's powerful for you to, you know, send out into the world. Um, so that's always my approach is just the, you know, the talent and the strengths and the skills are already there. It's just, you know, going in there, digging down and, and bringing them forward. That's excellent. And that's a really helpful connection for people and a really, I think, helpful uh, placement of how coaching can really help people. I've worked with some people recently, um, and I've talked to some people recently that are our fellow colleagues of ours in the coaching profession, and a lot of them are struggling to get new clients, and I'm saying to them, well, part of it, you know, could be a networking thing, could be, you know, any number of things. But the other side of it is, depending on what you're coaching, people fundamentally have you know, uh, a block or an issue with asking for help, especially, mm-hmm. I think, in the Western cultures in the U.S. and Canada. We have, and I'm sure you've hit on this, and I have too, there is a, a, a block there where there's a there's a uh, embarrassment factor. There's a lot of different issues where they actually could benefit a lot from coaching, but that's what's holding them back is is they don't want to ask for help. And so mm-hmm. by your placement of that answer, I'm hoping that people will feel better about that because depending on what you're coaching, some people don't want to admit, oh, well, I have a problem with that. You know, I helped someone once do their resume, and they were very modest about what they did. And I knew because I had worked with them in certain capacities saying, you're making this seem a lot more simple than it actually really was. We have to change mm-hmm. this, and I have to help you find words that, you'll be comfortable with when you have to explain it because this is a lot more than just doing X. It was involved other skill. So people tend to be very modest about themselves as you hit on as well. So it's part of our thing is is to guide them as coaches and to help them to be the best version of themselves. So, so thank you for sharing that because I think that that's a big component. And I think you could really help people uh, in looking at what you're doing and, how you connect with people. I think that's your real blessing to people that are trying to do that. Uh, so thank you for thank that. You. The news cycle has been unfortunately dominated with headlines about sexual harassment allegations, as I touched on in the show open in Hollywood politicians, famously this guy Moore is being alleged in, in Alabama mm-hmm. here in the U S um, and that's all over the news. When I was about to go on, I clicked over to check the news because I checked the headlines a lot throughout the day to do a lot of news writing. And I saw that there's a, an actor now on the, on the TV show Gossip Girl, which airs in the U.S. on, on the CW network, or did. I think it's not, no longer on the air. He's been accused by three of the women on the set for sexual <sighs> assault. Uh, the whole Kevin Spacey thing. So that was like 20 minutes ago. So it's like every time you turn around, there's some new situation going on. The Today Show this morning, Natasha Hentridge is the latest one to accuse Brett Ratner. I've also seen a thing with Ellen Page. I don't know if you saw that, where Ratner really embarrassed her when she was going for her first role. So, again, there's all this stuff going on. There's the Me Too campaign on social media. It's very sad that every day this is going on. Has this level of awareness helped the cause? of gender equity 
or has it had the opposite effect? And I'm going to, before you answer, kind of preface that with, I was hanging out with five men the other day, and they're saying, the thing about this is some of this could be trumped up to get some of these people back into the news that have been kind of out of the loop. And that's going to make the people that have real claims kind of be passed over. So that's what I'm trying to get at. Do you think there's credence to that? Is this helping that cause? Or is it going to have the opposite effect? Yeah, so that's that's a little difficult, right? Um, because, of, of course, there's going to be this feeling that perhaps some of the women are, like, jumping on the bandwagon for whatever reason. Uh, part of my uh-huh. difficulty with that, but part of my difficulty with that is that, um, you know, historically, um, you know, within the last, you know, few years, when women come forward and make these sort of allegations or come forward to tell their stories, they're not always treated very well. Um, they're often not treated well at all. They're often, you know, not believed, you know, their personal lives get dragged into it. Um, you know, their private sexual lives get dragged into it. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, blaming the victim that happens. And I don't understand why, you know, many, I don't understand why a woman would want to sign up for that if it wasn't true or if it wasn't something that she thought would would be helpful for herself or, or for somebody else to tell that story. Um, I do, you know, seeing it every day is, you know, for me personally, it makes my blood boil. Like it drives me crazy every time I see a story like this. It just makes me sick and it makes me angry. But I do think the awareness, um, I do think there's nothing wrong with elevating that awareness because harassment like at work is incredibly common and it's not just like in the media industry or in politics, you know, it's happening at a much, you know, lower level, like waitresses in restaurants or women in, in blue collar careers, like it's happening everywhere. Um, And I guess my hope is being, you know, trying to look at this in a positive way is that, by raising the awareness, by people understanding that this is common and this actually happens, this is real, um, that when women do come forward, that they're more quickly believed and they're not discredited um, immediately, which we've seen happen, you know, time and again, um, where the women is automatically discredited um, and the harasser is, you know, we we hold out we hold out for the harasser in a lot of times like oh this must this can't be true oh we'll wait for more evidence we we can't believe this is true um, so I, I'm kind of hoping that the tables turn a little bit so that the woman coming forward is more immediately believed and is given more credit than the person she's accusing. Yes, and for the record, you know, I have to ask the question, but I'm with you on it before I get some crazy emails or phone calls that, you know, I had to ask the question. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you because I look at this stuff and I get very upset or else I wouldn't have hosted this show tonight. Um, because, like I said before, there's a lot of women in my life and I know 
that, that this has happened to, and it gets me nuts, too, to even think about. And like I said, there were some people with this Me Too campaign. I'm like, huh? You know, people I had maybe heard from in a while, and I'm, like, looking around on social media, and I'm like, really? You know, like, that happened to them. How sad. Mm-hmm. Or that happened to her. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Crazy. Like, I know this person pretty well, and they never told me about that. Um, so the courage that that takes and the awareness that this whole campaign and, and what's gone on with the news cycle has brought to it. You know, I said to, to somebody the other day, you know, it can happen in Hollywood, New York, Chicago. It can happen in a small city or a small town. It can happen in my town. Mm-hmm. It can happen in a corporation or a middle-sized business, a huge corporation or a small business. It can happen in retail, hospitality, advertising, and everywhere in between. And I think that it is. Right. It's been swept uh, under the proverbial rug. Right. Uh, right. And then for yeah. me, the other side of what I've heard, I want to mention this too before I forgot, is that other people saying, wow, you know, people that, you know, let's say an entertainer or, or an athlete or somebody in a high profile situation, a director, maybe I like their movies or maybe as an actor, I like them. Now it's like, wow, I can't, you know, have any kind of person that I look at in that way because they've all got to turn out to be creeps essentially, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, really this person too. I mean, Oh, good grief. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really sad that, you know, you have one impression of them and that it's going to probably turn out if these allegations are proven true, you know, I think it takes a lot of courage for somebody to go out, you know, on the national news and talk about this stuff. It's not something you really want to do. Right, yeah. So I give the, the women involved a lot of credit for, for that. Um, it's just it's really sad between that and the other stuff going on in the news in the world. It's it's combined to become a really sad state of affairs. Uh, but we're here to, again, look at the positive, like you said. Yes. And the positive is it's raised this profile on this, but, hey, for people like me who live kind of very Pollyanna and, and I think, oh, everything's great and, you know, now I'm like, wow, this this really does happen, you know, a lot to to people every day. What are we going to do about this? You know, how this has to change. I mean, this can't be sustainable behavior. This is not how a civilized people should behave mm-hmm. at work or anywhere else. So we've got to take some steps to move beyond that. Um, what is shine theory, and how can it help? I I really want the listeners to get this from you oh yes so shine theory so shine theory was is a term it was first coined by ann friedman who is a journalist um i'm kind of a fan of hers but um so the idea here is that is that the shine from one successful woman rubs off on the people who surround her so if you ally yourself like as a woman if you ally yourself with another woman who's doing well um, her success rubs off on you and you look good supporting her. Um, so it's sort of like a, I shine, you shine, we shine together. Um, and it, it has this effect of just sort of bringing everybody up. So before when I was talking about how like limited opportunity in the workplace can make women sort of compete against each other, that's sort of like the opposite of this. So instead of competing, you sort of you advocate for each other 
and then all of the women are perceived more positively and now there's more opportunity it opens up opportunity for women and i i really want to i really want to tell you this story that this was actually tried like um so it's not just a theory this was actually put into practice um by a group of female staffers at the white house under the obama administration and what they did was when they were in meetings, if one woman put forward an idea, the rest of the women in that room would repeat it and, and put the credit back on to the person who originally said it. And they kept doing this and they kept doing this and they kept doing this and they called it amplification. And they said what happened was they noticed that more and more of their female ideas were being taken seriously. Their ideas weren't getting, you know, discounted or they weren't getting stolen by somebody else. Um, and that more of their strategies and their plans were, were put forward because they kept supporting each other. And then they all looked better. They all looked, um, you know, more like leader, like the leaders that they actually were. They were perceived more highly. That is very, very interesting that 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 theory, you know, it's called shine theory, but it's actually just the name for the practice of what this is. I don't want people mm-hmm. to confuse it. It has been put into practice, as, as you said. So that's an important distinction, and I'm glad that you made that uh, distinction for for the listening people out there. Uh, and to to think that this is what we have to do to have you know women listen to in a room, though. You know, I was sharing a story with my wife the other day that. You know, I was in a certain situation at work, and I felt like I wasn't being listened to. And then some things changed for me at work, and I uh, was brought into a different role. And now I feel like, you know, at that point in my in what was going on with my career, I felt like, you know, at that point, then when I said something, uh, everyone could hear me. And I'm saying, well, what happened, you know, to last week? <laughs> When I was in the yeah. same room and I had the same kind of ideas and, you know, now all of a sudden, because, you know, I got promoted, it's, oh, we're going to do whatever you want us to do. You know, so it's, um, it's interesting. I think the way too that human behavior in, in that social environment plays in the perception of all that too becomes the reality. So in, in that case, by repeating it and by giving credit and not being like you said before, in competition with one another for that spotlight and then being seen as vindictive potentially people, people want to put on, on women that act that way. Uh, they actually were listened to and, and validated for the awesome ideas that women have, you know, yeah. women have a lot of great ideas yeah. and have done a lot of great society. And it's, it, I just feel like it goes unnoticed sometimes. And I think that that has to change. And I think part of that is, what are brag books? So it's a perfect segue. And what role can they play? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a brag book, this is something I, I always encourage my clients to do. And all, it's just, it's a simple, it's either like a, a journal or a file folder or a document on your computer where you just log all of your successes at work. You know, big or small, it could be a project, um, sales that you made, new clients that you acquired, problems that you solved, anything that you've done at work that is good, right? Like anything that, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, I did a good job today because of this. And you just keep track of that. Just keep track of that in one place. Um, 
And this has multiple uses. So aside from the fact that every time you, you know, go to add something to that file or add something, you can see everything that you've done and you get that boost of saying, wow, I, I really am good at my job. Um, and, that, and that carries over, of course, that confidence. Um, but I also like these because those brag books are like your data to back up anything from um, what you want to say in a, in a performance review um, or if you want to go and you want to ask for that promotion or you want to ask for that salary increase, you have this data to back it up. You have, um, you don't need to feel like you're, you're, you know, exaggerating your abilities or pretending to be something you're not in order to, to get, to get ahead. You have this raw, raw data now, this brag book of everything that you've done that has added value. Um, so I really, I think they're a really useful tool. I'm a, I'm a fan of, of keeping a brag book for sure. That is very interesting too, because you know when you think about performance reviews and the mentality of that as well. This is this is the evidence, if you will, that hey, I yes. deserve this promotion or this because of this. That's a very very good point, you know, uh, because of X, Y, and Z, and, and here's the the data to prove it. Right. Yes. Really yes. interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it just makes it sort of facilitates that conversation, right? It makes it a little bit easier. You're not just coming out of nowhere asking for something because you know you're great at your job. You, as you said, you have the, you know, the evidence to support you, and and that can have um, a confidence boosting effect as well to know that you have that evidence um, to back yourself up in those in those conversations and in those reviews. Absolutely, you know, because some of those things can, when you're in the job, like you said, you're doing it day to day, you can actually forget what you've done. <laughs> so yes, I see that all the time. Yes. Way, yeah. Oh, really? I did that? You know, like, really? I, because we become, like I talked about on this show before, so stuck in our own world of that six inches in front of your windshield every day, so to speak, as my grandfather used to call it. You know, you're so stuck in the here now that you forgot about six months ago. You know, that's that's long gone. So by having that, you know, book, you say, oh, wow, uh, I did actually, I accomplished a lot. So that, that could be a very useful tool. So thank you for sharing that as well for the listeners out there, especially when you're going up for a review or, or even just to make yourself feel more confident about what you've accomplished. So we're at the point of the show now where we're going to talk about Moving towards common ground, we're a couple minutes past the top of the hour, believe it or not, here in episode 10 of Undivided, the gender divide. What are the first steps towards finding common ground on gender equity? This is so hard. This is such a hard question. Um, I know. I think, the the best, uh, <laughs> I think the best answer I have um, it's just advocacy, like advocating for other women, whether you're a man or a woman, advocating for, for other women. Um, you know, as we, we've seen, the more, women, um, the more women put their voices out there, the more of us that there are speaking, the more that we're raising issues, 
um, we are starting to see, like, you know, we're moving the needle a little bit. Um, so I think if we just, if we keep that up, you know, we keep advocating for other women, we keep supporting other women um, in all aspects of our lives, uh, I, think, I think that's a good, good first step. Huh? That's that's a very good point, a very valid point. That's that's probably the good first step towards at least changing the narrative. Like I always say, I don't expect to solve all the world's problems in each individual area in an hour show. But at least if we could take in and give people a some kind of nugget at the end that says, Hey, this is these are the first steps towards changing the narrative around it and not just, you know, keeping the status quo in place because that's not getting us anywhere. And, and I think we've all agreed and seeing this evidence play out in the news every day that something has to change. And that change starts uh, at a grassroots level. There's so many different issues I've had, you know, to shed light on, on this show. And so often it comes down to you and I, uh, yes. You and your neighbor, right? It's a, it's a very individualized. It's a very, you know, like the old saying goes. I used to ask God to help me to change the world, and then as I got older, I asked Him just help me change the people around me, because I, I'm never going to mm-hmm. change the world. You know, not many people do, but I'm going to change the world by changing those immediate people, my family, my friends, my coworkers, people I come into contact with on a daily basis help me to, to change the world by, by starting with them, starting with those daily interactions in the simplest of ways. We can change that narrative, that, that construct, and we can remove some of these barriers. So thank you for that. Thank you for being so gracious with, with your time for answering all these questions I had for you. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit, if you have a couple minutes, um, before we tie up on Kick Glass, on what you're doing right now, just give some information. How, if you've got some upcoming workshops or anything, I know you've got a show coming up on Life Coach Radio Network. I was going to talk about that before we closed off on the 22nd. So maybe just yes. inter, interject some of that, you know, your uh, practice, what you're working on, how people can find you, et cetera, and so forth. Sure. Um, well, as uh, as I've sort of talked a little bit about as we as we went through tonight's show, um, I do. I'm a resume writer and a career coach, uh, specializing in helping women find those jobs where they are valued and fulfilled and well paid. Um, so, if you want to learn more about the services that I provide, you can go to my website. That's Kick Glass, like the glass ceiling. Kick Glass careercoaching.com. Um, I also, I have launched a, and this is very new for me, but within the last week, I launched a Facebook group. Um, and it's specifically designed for women who are looking to advance their career and network with other women. Um, so I'm really hoping to create this great hub where other women can support other women and help them find jobs or find opportunities that would help them. Um, so that's a, a Facebook group, and it's called uh, Kick Glass Career Women. Um, 
and you can also find a link to that from my website as well. Um, and yes, as you so kindly promoted, I do have a, a podcast um, next week on the 22nd. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Um, and I am talking to my good friend, Debbie. She is a career coach as well. And it, this is a great promo for it because we're going to be talking about how women can improve their leadership skills at work. So I'm very excited for that. Wow. So that's to tell people, yeah. hey, listen to this show and then listen to that one. Oh, now I'm, I'm shamelessly promoting my own work. Uh, <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Uh, and that's great that you started the Facebook group. So that Facebook group, again, is Kick Glass Career Women. Career Women. And find yes. that on Facebook. Career Women. Yes, find that on, on Facebook. Okay. And you connect with Tammy on our website or on LinkedIn or on all the million ways that we can do these things today, which is, you know, half of my day or more spent, you know, navigating that. But that's uh, another story. <laughs> yes, um, I know. There's so many, next, so many channels. There really are. And it's, it's all about, you know, finding that person and, and making that connection uh, so if Tammy can help you in any way, she certainly helped me by coming on tonight. Uh, again, her show is uh, its a, a show she's going to be doing with uh, with a guest on the 22nd. That's a Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern on Life Coach Chat Channel. Uh, and is that what your, your show is normally focused upon? Is it uh, kind of different issues each, each time? Uh, maybe explain to the listeners a little bit about the format of the show. Yeah, sure. It's um, the show is centered mostly around you know women at work. Um, so we do. I cover. I'm pretty new, so I haven't done many shows yet. But um, we're we're covering things like job search strategy and um, leadership, and you know just have how to navigate your career um, in the most successful way. That's that's going to bring you closer to what you really want. That's awesome. Excellent. Uh, and that's something that I know I've talked to certain people that are in marketing uh, about different things. We talk about competing for, for headspace, for mind space. There's so much content out there and there's YouTube channels. Like we were just saying, there's social media and LinkedIn and, and all of these different networking sites. Well, there's also a lot of different networks for podcasting, but I'm hoping that through tonight's show, you see that Tammy should compete for some of that mind space, for some of that head space where you go. I know people are really avid podcast listeners. Consider adding that show in, especially I think you get a lot of value from it if you're a woman, uh, to add that into your repertoire, if you will, um, in listening to that and getting some helpful tips um, and how to move forward. So uh, thank you, Tammy, again for that, for coming on. Uh, tonight, I really appreciate it for speaking on a big topic that is so relevant and salient in our in our world today, in our society and culture. Um, so, thank you for coming on. Uh, Think Tank, oh. November twenty second. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I just wanted to thank you, Frank, so much. I think we tackled a lot, and uh, I really appreciate you having me on your show. Oh, sure, pleasure. And uh, maybe we'll do it again somewhere down this road of life. Uh, Think Tank comes your way November the 22nd. It's a Wednesday. It's noon Eastern. 
Life Coach Radio Network. Again, a brand new episode of Think Tank, November 22nd. It's a Wednesday, noon Eastern. And again, that phone number for Rain is 1 800 656 4673. Again, the number for Rain, that's R A I N N. Website is rain, www.rain.org. In Canada and in other parts of the world, and for the DOD, it's 888-407-4747. Salvation Army, www.salvationarmyus.org. And again, if this is an issue that you're dealing with, if you've had an encounter that's inappropriate, it's a sexual assault or some kind of harassment or some kind of situation has happened in your life, call and get help. Call the people at Rain. And if it's something that's really spinning in your mind, I've talked about it before. It's a huge epidemic. It's a huge problem. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, New York. You matter. And there are someone there to listen. So please get help if you need it. This has been Undivided Episode number 10. People ask me, when am I back? Episode 11 is in three weeks. It's December the 6th. Episode 11 with Michelle West. Topic is how do you coach? How do you work? How do you parent? How are you a spouse or a caregiver to elderly parents? How do you fulfill all these roles in your life on an empty gas tank? Really big topic. Michelle West, episode 11, Wednesday, December the 6th at 7 p.m. That's my next episode. And until then, thank you to Tammy. Thank you to our listeners. Be blessed and be well.